Well, good morning. Can we all stand? Why don't you turn to someone around you and tell them it's good to see them here this morning. Change when we call you Jesus. Change. 
for a few moments for some announcements. We would like to welcome every guest that has decided to join us here at TPC this beautiful Sunday morning. We are so glad that you're here with us. We would like for you to please take a moment to complete the digital connection card by texting TPCDQ to 84576. This will allow you to connect with us and get upcoming event information, submit prayer requests, and receive a gift card in the mail. So we would love for you to do that. This coming Sunday on November the 7th, the time will change. It will fall back an hour, so be sure to set your clocks for that. The ushers can come forward at this time. We didn't have but a few announcements. So as they're coming, I would encourage you this week to allow God to do the work that he needs to in you so that he may do the work he desires to do through you. Go ahead and bow your heads as we pray over the offering. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for waking us up this morning and bringing us to this amazing service. We thank you for entering into this place with us. We ask you, God, to touch this offering. Bless it, use it, multiply it, do mighty works with it. We ask you to put a hedge of protection, plead your blood over your people this week as we go about our day. We thank you for it and we give you honor and glory for all that you do. And Josh Foster is going to come up after this. Amen.
seated at this time. Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord this morning? So, I wanted to tell you, uh, if you don't set your clock back next next week, that doesn't mean you can miss church. That excuse only works when you spring forward. So if you don't set your clock back, you'll have the best seat in the house. You'll be here an hour early. So uh, it is October, and we appreciate our pastor. Amen. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. It's the last day of the month, and he thought he would get through this month without us recognizing him. Uh, not, not the case. If Pastor and Sister Neeland would, would step up, uh, we want to tell you on the behalf of everyone at TPC how much we love you and appreciate you. And we only take one day out of one month, but we appreciate everything you guys do every day. We love you so much. Trust in the Lord. Blessed to have you as our pastor. Trust in the Lord. We appreciate you. Strength, and she is clothed with strength and dignity. So it looks like a couple of uh, coffee mugs and a card. All right, y'all want me to open this now? All right, thank you. We appreciate our pastors. Oh, wow. Cash is king, baby. Yeah. It says, thank you for the early Sunday mornings and late Wednesday nights. Thank you for the seeds you plant and disciples you nurture. Thank you for the sermons you preach and the prayers you lift up. Thank you for the wise counsel and the words of encouragement. Thank you for the sacrifice and service, TPC loves y'all that is so precious thank you for that thank you thank you thank you we sure are thankful to be pastor and pastor's wife here at tpc you bless us every day we pray for you every day we love you such a blessing and we thank the lord for a strong community that loves the lord and comes to church comes and gathers and worships together and loves us thank you so much for your loving kindness and your generous honor toward us. Thank you. Amen. Thank all of you. Would you turn around now and just give somebody some love? Would you? A kind word, a handshake, a pat on the back? Something. Boy, it's a beautiful day outside, isn't it? Wow, what a beautiful day. Thank all of you for thinking of me and my precious wife. We know that you didn't have to do that, but thank you so much for your generosity and your kindness. If you have your Bibles, would you go to the book of 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel chapter 30. To all of our guests, thank you for being here. To all of our Sunday school teachers, you got in this morning. Let's give all of our teachers a big hand. We do appreciate what they do, Sister Janet and your team. Thank you. 
all of you that run media, sound, lights, all of you that sing, all of you that teach, all of you that are uh, part of security, and just everyone that you make every Sunday what you make it. Thank you from the fullness of our hearts. We do appreciate it. I see some guests here this morning. It's really good to see you, Clay. I see you. It's great to see you, a number of you. Thank you for being here. Uh, I've got a little humor for you this morning. Are you ready? So a young blonde man, young blonde man, is in a Cessna 172, and his pilot has a heart attack on him. And so the frantic young blonde man sends out a mayday, mayday, mayday. So he says, the pilot's had a heart attack, and I don't know what to do. So air traffic control comes over, and they said, hey, listen, we hear you. We hear you loud and clear. Don't worry. Everything's going to be just fine. Air traffic controller said, just tell me your height and your position. And the young blonde man said, I'm five foot nine and I'm in the front seat. <laughs> After a long pause, the air traffic controller came back on the radio and said, repeat after me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <laughs> I had somebody feel real sorry for me last week. They said, Pastor, after that humor last week, we got to send you some more equipment because that was awful. I said, I know it was. So thank you for sending me some humor. I appreciate it. Here we go, 1 Samuel chapter 30. And if you're with us, say amen. amen. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Verse 4, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Verse 5, and David's, and David's two wives, Ahianom and the Jezreelitess and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Verse 6, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I have something in my spirit I want to share with you this morning, and that is this. How do I encourage myself? We're living in some very negative times. We're living in some very dark days. And you and I have to learn how to encourage ourselves. Because I'm going to tell you something. ABC's not doing it. And NBC's not doing it. And Amazon is not doing it. We have to learn how can we be a positive person in a very negative world. Do you agree with that? Let's pray together. Father, for the next few minutes, would you just help us to come here, spirit, soul, and body, to receive, Lord, what you have for your people. Anoint your word. Anoint my mouth. Let it, Lord, edify and encourage and equip the body of Christ for what you have called us to do in this end time day. And we give you thanks and praise. And everybody say amen. amen. Are you ready? Yeah. 
let's go. You can be seated. I'm going to give you a little backstory on 1 Samuel chapter 30. Well, David now in this story is a fugitive. He is running from his life. If you don't have a lot of Bible knowledge, you hadn't been coming to church long, just read 1 Samuel and it will, it will kind of bring you up to speed. So here is David. He has been anointed king, but yet Saul is very jealous of David. If you've read your Bible, you know that King Saul has thrown a couple of javelins at David, trying to kill him. So David understands, I got to get out of here. I got to leave the palace of King Saul. And so he does. And he runs to the people of the Philistines. Now, David is in exile in, uh, in a land of Gath, in the Philistine territory. And at this time in his life, he's about 30 years of age. And he is trying to be loyal to King Saul. And at the same time, he is trying to show devotion to King Achish. King Achish is the king over that particular Philistine region. And now David finds himself in a very terrible dilemma because King Achish has asked all of his warriors to come to him because now they're going to go fight the Israelites. David is in a dilemma because up until now he's been able to show, in a way, loyalty to both sides. But now he's being called upon to go and fight against his very Israelite brothers. And he doesn't know what to do. But if you read in the text, you will find that really God comes through in a divine way. And while he's there willing to go and fight, King Achish and his men, the men basically, say, you know what? We don't want David going with us. We don't want him fighting with us. And King Achish looks at David and says, David, I'm going to tell you something. I've seen nothing but good in you. You've never betrayed me. I don't think that you would harm us in any way. But it just appears that my men don't want you to go and fight with us. Because they're afraid that once we start fighting the Israelites, you and your 600 men would turn on us and you would start fighting against us instead of fighting for us. So it really solves the dilemma. And King Achish told them, David and his men, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back home. You guys just head on back home. When you study it out, you find that there were about 50 miles journey from where he was back to his home in Ziglag. It was about a three-day journey for him to get there. So David and the 600 men, they walk, ride, whatever, on, on, on their beast of burdens to get back to Ziglag. And when they get back there, as they top the hill, so to speak, they see things are not good. It's burning. It's on fire. And when they get there, it's even worse than what they can believe. The scripture says that all of Ziglag was burned, totally and completely devastated. 
It was burned. All of their possessions were burned. Their homes were burned. Everything that they owned was burned. Their kids were taken. Their wives were taken. And the scripture says that the men, when they saw it, they just wept. They wept and they continued to weep and they wept all night long. So here is David now. He's exhausted. His men are exhausted. They've been weeping all night long. They're grieving over their loss. But I want you to notice something in verse 4. Verse 4 says this. So David encouraged himself. Pardon me, that's verse 6. Verse 6 says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, this is very important. Because you're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself. Can I get a witness? You're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself. I'm going to back up to verse 4 here before I get ahead of myself. Verse 4 said, So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Meaning that when they saw what they saw, all they could do was just weep. And then I believe it is verse 5, you see that the Bible says these men started to blame David for their troubles. In other words, David, if you wouldn't have led us out of here and led us over to Akish, we would still be here to protect our families. They started saying, David, if you would have been a good leader, you would have left some men here to protect what we own. David, this is your fault. And the scriptures talks about that they started talking, let's stone David. Let's just stone him. He shouldn't have done what he did. Now just imagine, I want you to imagine the scene here just a minute. David's men are weeping. Some of them may be cursing. Some of them are blaming him. Others are even talking about stoning him. And David now is probably most likely by himself. He's sitting somewhere by himself. Tears are running down his face. He's sitting in ashes. He's lost his family. He doesn't know where his wives and his kids are at. And normally, when you don't know something, you don't think the best. You think the worst. He's probably thinking, I wonder if they're being taken advantage of. I wonder if they're alive. I wonder what is happening. And so he looks around and all of his possessions are burned. And this is probably the worst day of David's life, wouldn't you think? It's probably the worst day of his life. So now what's he going to do? Now, I know it's easy for all of us sitting here this morning. We're in a cool building and it's a beautiful day. And I hope your world is going great. But I want you to put, your, I want you to put yourself in David's position. 
Now just think just a minute. Imagine that you've been gone for about three days. You come home, and when you get home, not only is your house burned, but your whole neighborhood is burned. Your bass boat's gone. Your go-kart's gone. Your golf cart's gone. Your four-wheeler's gone. All of your rod and reels are burned. All of your guns are disintegrated. All of your clothes are totally destroyed, men and women's, your children's, all of your possessions. Women, I know you like photos of your weddings and of your families and of your reunions. All of that is totally destroyed. Everything that you have or had is totally and completely gone. And then, to make matters worse, everyone in your neighborhood is pointing at you and saying, this is all your fault. Everything that's happened is all your fault. Let me ask you a question. How do you think you would feel? Think you'd be on top of the world? Think you'd be coming in with some crazy praise? Come on, talk to me, somebody. It's doubtful. It's very doubtful. So now David has a decision. What is he going to do? Is he going to allow himself to be filled with depression and with hopelessness based off of the situation? Or is he going to connect with God so that he can find the strength to go on? He has a decision and it's not an easy one. But let me tell you what he did somewhere I don't know where because the scripture doesn't say it, but it does say he encouraged himself in the Lord. I would imagine that he started, you know, quoting some scripture. He probably started thinking about the goodness of God. Because how else do you encourage yourself when everything around you is crashing down? How do you encourage yourself when everybody is blaming you that it's your fault? How do you encourage yourself when you left your house one way and you come home and it's totally a different way? Can I talk to all of us this morning? I want to speak into your spirit. I want to tell you that unless you have a deliberate plan to encourage yourself, you aren't going to be encouraged. Unless you have a deliberate plan to encourage yourself, you're not going to be encouraged. You say, why? Because psychologists tell us that our human brain remembers negative experiences more than it does positive ones. In other words, we feel the sting of a rebuke more than we feel the joy of a praise. In other words, we're, we're not nearly as excited about having $100 as we lament losing $100. We'll go to the convenience store and blow, you know, close to $100 and think nothing of it, but let us lose $100 and we'll look all day for it. Right? Why? Because it's what psychologists say, our minds have a tendency toward a negative bias. 
That's not just you, that's me. That's the whole human race. It is not normal, ladies and gentlemen, to be encouraged. It's not. It's not normal to be encouraged. It's actually normal to be discouraged. It's abnormal to be strong and of good courage. But here's what you will find out. Even though psychologists tell us that our minds have a tendency toward the negative bias. Psychologists will also tell us that negativity is a choice. Negativity is a choice. Here's what the Bible says. I hope they put it on the screen. It's Isaiah 26 and 3. Here's how you can start encouraging yourself. That the Lord will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind, talk to me, is stayed upon him. Talk to me. Because he what? Trust in him. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to go back to the word and say that when my mind starts, you know, drifting toward negativity, I need to go back to the word and I need to remind myself of the word that God has never left me, that God has never forsaken me, that he brought me through before and he's going to bring me through again. And I trusted in the Lord and I'm going to keep trusting in him. Now I want to preach to somebody. The U.S. government is not our source. Our president is not our source. The Senate and the Congress is not our source. And if you keep looking at all the bad that's going on in our world, you're going to drift toward negativity. You're going to say, oh my God, how are we going to make it? How's the church going to make it? Can I tell you that they have tried to burn the church out? They've tried to cast the church out. They tried to burn the Bible out. But I'm here to tell you that what God has established it will not go under. He said I will build my church and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what you got to do? You got to be intentional in your walk. I want to talk to somebody. You can be lost by accident but you're going to be saved on purpose. You can be lost by looking at other Christians because they're not what they say they are. This is why you got to get your eye on Jesus, who is the author and who is the finisher of your faith. And you got to keep encouraging yourself. God brought me through before. Come on, somebody. He's faithful and he's going to bring me through again. Come on, I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen their seed begging bread. I want you to say this with me. Say, my peace is linked to how I think. In other words, you need to ink how you think with the word of God. In other words, you need to tattoo your mind with God's word. 
And when you get into a dilemma that would cause you to get down and start thinking negative, you get your word out and you say, if God be for me, I got to remind myself who can be against me. Come on now. Here's David. Here's David now. He's weeping. Get a picture. He's weeping. 600 men are pointing their finger. It's your fault. It's your fault. Doesn't know where his wives are at. Don't know where his kids are at. Everything he's on is in ashes. And he's sitting there. And the Bible doesn't tell us this, but let me have a little imagination. It does tell us he started strengthening himself in the Lord. I wonder how he did it. I want, I want them to put up Psalm 18 and 6. Now this is in the NIV. It says this. In my distress, I called to the Lord. You know who David's first call was? I'm going to ask you. There's an old, there's an old, old movie that says, who you going to call? Y'all remember that? I know y'all way saved than I am. Thank you for that, all you pious folks. Anyway, for us uh, folks that need a little bit more prayer, there was a movie out that said, who you going to call? Who you going to call? You know what? I'm going to tell you who I'm going to call. I'm not calling my best friend. I'll call him later. But I'm going to call Jesus first. I'm going to call him up. God, I remember that when I was in distress, Lord, you came on the scene. Lord, I remember when I was down and how you lifted me up. God, I'm going to remind myself that I can trust in you. Hallelujah. I'm not going to cry on everybody else's shoulder. I'm going to cry to him. God, I need you. God, Lord, nobody can bring me out of this mess but you. But I know you're the God of more than enough. Come on, you got to talk to yourself. You got to encourage yourself. I think he started saying this the Lord is my light. He had nothing but darkness around him, smoke, devastation, destruction, but he was saying, The Lord is my light, and he is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. You know what gives you strength? Here's one of the many reasons why we need to be in church. Because in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Here's another one. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's one reason why you need to be in service. Because when you're in the presence of God, it is amazing how you can walk in one way but walk out another. Why? Because you were in the presence of the Lord. Come on, somebody. The Lord is what? He's the strength of my life. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He went on to say, when evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, and when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. They may come to you, but they're going to stumble before they even get there. Oh, come on. The Bible says that no weapon formed against me. Hallelujah. There may be a weapon, but it's not going to come against me. You got to keep reminding yourself, I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm God's child. He's got me covered. Hallelujah. 
Come on. I'm going to put on the whole armor of God. I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. I'm going to get the sword of the spirit and the breastplate of righteousness. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Notice what he does first. The first thing he does is that he gets with God. And he allows God to restore him and to renew his faith. The first thing you ought to do when you're feeling down is take a minute and say, God, nobody can help me like you. I need you right now. The first task is not to decide what we do next. The first thing that I need to do is I need God to pour into me. I need to remind myself of how good God is. Because David has just suffered a huge emotional and spiritual blow. But you know what we want to do? We want to immediately take action. Right? I'm going to be funny here just a minute. Sister Janet, help me just a second. So let me ask you a question. All right, listen. All right, you ready? I want you to love on me, but I'm going to start running. All right? You ready? You got to run after me. Here we go. Now, let me ask you this. You running around to Aunt Helen, Uncle Bobby, trying to get answers. And God said, would you just get still? Because I can love on you a lot better if you just get still and know that I am God. Come on, somebody. Quit dialing up your best friend. Quit dialing up mama. There are times sometimes mama can't help you. There are some seasons in your life auntie can't help you. There are some times in your life grandma's apple pie is not going to comfort you. You are going to have to call on the name of the Lord. And you need to get still and say, God, I know you're going to tell me what's next. But right now I need you to pour back into me. I need you to restore me, oh God. Does that make sense? Now, here's the next thing. David considers what action he should take. David inquired of the Lord. After he allowed God to restore him. After he renewed himself in the word. And then he said, Lord, what shall I do? I want to pause right here for just a minute. And I want to bring in some life applications into this text. It's very important. Notice what David did. First of all, life application. He wept over his loss. And he did it all night long. And you know what? That is healthy. Because you don't get over something like that. You get through it. I'm going to say it again. You don't get over something like that. Some of you have got some things so traumatic in your life. You don't get over it. You get through it. You get through it. And you know what we do? We try to escape it. And we go to great lengths to try to avoid it. And that's where addictions start. Because we're now trying to do something to help our pain. And we try to avoid the pain instead of go through the pain. 
Hey, Psalm 23 didn't say you're going to camp out in the valley. You're not going to build a house in the shadow of death, but you're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to cry about what I lost. I may cry all night about what I lost, but guess what? I'm not going to camp out there. I'm not going to build a lifestyle of self-pity. I'm going to get up. I'm going to quote God's word. I'm going to ask him to restore me. I'm going to encourage myself, and then I'm going to get back up. He didn't throw a pity party. You know why? Because pity prolongs the pain. Self-pity will get you stuck. Oh, look at your neighbor with a smile on their face so they don't hit you when you say this. Self-pity will get you stuck. Self-pity will get you stuck. Do you know that negative thinking leads to depression? I don't see where David got down on himself in this story. I don't see where David said, oh, David, you're such a horrible leader. You should have never left here. I can't believe. What were you thinking? You're so stupid. Man, how could you do that? But you know what? That's what a lot of us do. Come on now. If I put a speaker on some of y'all's brain and we could all hear what you say to yourself, we would institutionalize you. I'm going to say that again. I got everybody's attention. If we could put a speaker on your brain and hear what you say to yourself, we would look at you and say, we need to check you in. Why do some of y'all do that? Why do you talk down to yourself like that? In fact, you would not hang out with the people who talk to you the way you talk to yourself. You'd be like, who do you think you are talking to me like that? Well, why do you talk to yourself like that? Why do you say things to yourself like, man, I just can't believe nothing ever goes right for me. Well, I know I got something good yesterday, but I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Well, I'll never be successful. I'm never going to, I just don't think I have what it takes to get out of debt. Some of you are saying, well, you know what? This health issue, it's just my cross to bear. Why are you talking like that? Why are you speaking that negative stuff over your life? I want you to remember this. I want to speak into your spirit today. Remember, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I'm going to say that again. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And when it comes into your mind, it's going to come out of your life. And too many people in this room, you are on a junk food diet in your mind. You say, Pastor, are you mad? No, I'm not mad at nobody but the devil. Because the devil has you going back to what you used to be instead of what you are through the blood. You're talking to yourself, and I can't believe this, and I can't believe that. Come on, you are moving in the direction of your strongest thought. you got to start saying what God says over you. The majority of what we consume the majority of what we watch, what we listen to, what we look at is toxic to our minds. 
Yes, it is. Hey, I'll go on the Fox app and I'll look, I'll scroll through on what's going on, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's not good for my soul. I do it just so I can stay in the know, but I'm going to tell you, it's not good for my soul. You need to think about this. Your physical body never grows stronger when you are consuming carbs and candy. Now, in that vein of thought, neither can you be the person that you and I are supposed to be without intentionally putting the right things into our minds. Here's a suggestion, my sweet brothers and sisters. I want you to take this challenge. Why don't you start waking up every morning and start your day with Thanksgiving? Hey, thank you, Lord, that I woke up today. Thank you, Lord, that I got eyes to see this beautiful sunrise. God, I'm going to praise you for your grace. God, I'm going to thank you for your mercy. Come on, somebody. Then you ought to look in the mirror. And I know this is awkward. It's awkward for me, but Janet has all kinds of affirmations on our mirror. And I look on our mirror and I say, looking in the mirror, I am valuable. Is it awkward? Yes. Because my mind tells me, you ain't. No, you ain't. Huh. No, you ain't. Yes, I am. Why? Because he said I am. He was willing to go to Calvary to prove my worth. I am valuable. I am loved. God has a great plan for my life. Don't speak defeat over you. Speak victory over yourself. Make your mouth and your mind work for you, not against you. Come on, somebody. Here's the second thing I noticed about David. He didn't start bad-mouthing his men. Did you notice that? Never said anything bad about his men. Never started downing them. Oh, I can't believe all you jokers. After all I've done for you, I gave you leadership. I gave you direction. I took you in when you were vagabonds. I can't believe now you're talking about stoning me. He didn't do that. You know why? Check this out. Now get this. He stayed in control of himself. He didn't allow everybody else's attitude to affect him. This is huge. Because when you walk into the world out there, they're negative Nancy's. They're not positive. There's like, oh my God, I stumped my toe. This is going to be a horrible day. Really? You stumped your toe and now you're going to have a bad day. This is not normal for the world that we are living in. But David had 600 men pointing the finger at him. But he didn't get a bad attitude. He didn't start blaming all of them. I can't believe y'all want to stone me after all that I have done. You are in control of yourself and listen, don't give away your power. I got to preach this morning. I got to get this out of me. It's amazing to me that we want to control everybody around us that we can't control, but we don't control the very thing we can control, which is our mind and our mouth. And we want to control all the externals when only what we can control are the internals. And we're giving our power away to all the negative Nancys because we're listening to what they had to say instead of walking up in there and saying, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. Mm. I hope they put this on the screen. Remember this. The link to your power is how you think. The link to your power is how you think. If you want to blame others, you can do that. 
If you want to talk and criticize others, you can do that. If you want to speak negatively about yourself, that's your choice. It's what David did, though, that made the difference. He encouraged himself. And I'm not going to even preach the rest of the story, but the rest of the story says that once he encouraged himself, he went to Abathar the priest. He got direction. Lord, what should we do? And the Lord said this, go and pursue because you shall recover all. Not going to even preach about it, but I want to say this. You know what made a difference in his tomorrow is because he thought about today. He didn't let somebody else choose his attitude. He didn't let somebody else steal his power. He didn't let somebody else put him in the mully grubs. He said, God, I'm going to encourage myself. Now, what do you want me to do? God says, pursue and you shall recover all. You know what? You are making a decision today that will not only affect you and your house, but everybody around you. And if you can learn to encourage yourself, I'm telling you, you're going to make a difference not only in your life, but you're going to make a difference in your home, in your family, in your neighborhood, on your job. I'm hurrying and I'm wrapping this up. Ask yourself this question. What am I doing today? I'm going to pause here just a minute. I want your attention. What am I doing today that is going to help me tomorrow? What am I doing today that's going to help me tomorrow? Notice what David did. Number one, he grieved his loss. Wept all night. Didn't drink anything. Didn't take anything. Mm -mm. Just grieved it. Said, I'm going to get through this. Then he encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he do that? Through the word of God. Reminding him of how good God has been. Reminding himself of the trust that he had in God. Encouraged himself. And then he went to the Lord and asked for direction. What shall I do? The Lord said, pursue. I'm going to ask y'all something. Y'all get real honest with me. You think that David felt like encouraging himself? No, I can tell you right now, after seeing all that he saw, he didn't feel like encouraging himself. Here's what I've learned. I'm never going to feel like going to the gym. Janet and I are on a 30-day cleanse. You should have seen some of the stuff that I was drinking the other day. Do I feel like it? No. But I want to be healthy in my body. I want to be healthy in my mind and I want to be healthy in my spirit. Do I feel like exercising every day? No. Do I feel like praying every day? No. Do I feel like reading God's word every day? No. Guess what? You're going to have to force yourself to do some things. Why? Because your mind, your mind drifts to the negative and it wants the comfort. You want comfort. You can have comfort and you can have growth, but you can't have both. I'm going to say it again. You can have comfort and you can have growth, but you can't have both. And some people may make it look easy, but I'm going to tell you something. You've got to force yourself to live differently. You've got to force yourself to think positive. 
you got to force yourself to get into the Word. You say, Brother Neelan, you don't just wake up and want to get into the Word. No, I don't. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. I don't. And that's why I pray, God, would you put it in my heart to want to pray? Would you put it in my heart to want to read your Word? Why? Because it's not normal. I got to thinking about this text. It would have been real easy for David when he saw all of that to say, Lord, this ain't fair. Right? Lord, th this, ain't, this ain't even fair. I did what I was called and asked to do and now here I come and this ain't even fair. This ain't right. God, I thought Samuel anointed me as king. I thought I'm supposed to be the future king. And now here I got nothing. This ain't right. God, I thought you blessed me. I thought the oil came down over my head as a sign of blessings. And now look, I have nothing. This ain't right. How can this be God? You know what, brothers and sisters? We want the world to treat us fair. And the world is not going to treat you fair. Because this is not heaven. And we're trying to make earth heaven. And earth is not heaven. And it never will be. It never will be. Can I tell you bad things happen to good people? You say, how do I know? Because I read the Bible. And tragedy happened to Job. He was a good man. He loved God. Was righteous. But bad happened to Job. You keep reading and you'll find out where devastation happened to David. A lot of junk happened to Joseph. The crucifixion happened to Jesus and yet he was the perfect man. Yes, bad stuff happens to good people because this is not heaven. And we all face problems and we all face crisis. And when we're in those negative situations, we're not going to feel like being positive. That's why you got to force yourself to think positive. I'm going to wrap this up. I want to show y'all something real quick as I wrap this up. I want you to check this out. Here's Philippians. Philippians 2 and 5. I don't know if I gave them this verse, but here's what it says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Let this mind, Paul is speaking to you, let this mind, what mind? The mind of Christ. Beware in your mind. Why? Because even though God, Jesus was man, he knew he was God. Why are you saying this? Because when you read, you will find out that Jesus didn't go back and talk about his past. He didn't go back and talk about how poor he was. He didn't go back and talk about that he was from the ghetto of Nazareth. And everybody else, all they could see was he was just man. But he knew that he was God. And you got to let this mind be in you. I know you just see me as a man, but I got the very Spirit of God on the inside of me. I know you may have seen where I've come from, but I'm not looking at that. I'm looking to where I'm going. 
come on, I'm not, I'm not looking about where I've been. I'm going to paint a picture so big of my future that yesterday doesn't even matter. You got to let this mind be in you. Jesus didn't talk down to himself. Think about this. Jesus did not allow Peter's betrayal or even Judas's suicide to hinder him. He just stayed focused. And when he was on the cross, how did he get through it? He encouraged himself. How? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they do. He let it go. He let it go. How did Job make a difference? He encouraged himself. He said, after my flesh is destroyed, this I know. That in my flesh, I shall see God. After all that Paul went through, the beatings, the stoning, the shipwrecked, being cold, not having enough food, being naked. How did Paul make it? He encouraged himself. Philippians 2, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. And what do I do? I press. Why? Because the prize is not behind me. The prize is before me. I, I forget all of those things that are behind me. Why? Because that's not where the crown is. I got to keep pressing on. I'm going to lay aside every weight and sin that would so easily beset me. And I'm going to start talking to myself the, the way the Word talks to me. And I'm going to start believing about myself the way the Word believes me about me why so that when i step into a situation i can be light in the darkness would you stand with me i want us to sing that same course we believe for it we're going to believe this morning we're going to start changing some things about how we think I'm convinced, and I want you to hear me, please. I am convinced that the real you, the real you that God has created you to be, Patrick. I'm going to talk to you, Patrick. The real you, the you that the devil is scared of. I am believing that God is going to awaken that. He's going to quicken that. And you're going to emerge from who you used to be to who God wants you to be because He wants you, Patrick, to fulfill your destiny. you got to start declaring some things over your life. I want to encourage you this morning. Many of you have gone on the 30-day challenge with me to wake up and give God praise every day, right? You with me? I want you to add to that. I want you to add to that some declarations. I want you to start to declare, I am who God says I am. And I can do what God says I can do. I want you to start declaring some things like, I'm blessed with creativity and courage and abundance. I want you to start declaring out of your mouth, I'm blessed with wisdom and direction for my life. I want you to declare out of your mouth, I am not what I buy, 
I am not what I own. My identity is in Christ. Come what may, my past is forgiven. I have a purpose for living and I got a home in heaven. Come on, somebody give God some praise right now. Come on, give him praise. If you're a believer, give him praise. I would love to be able to tell y'all that things are going to get better and better. I wish I could tell all of you that with a straight face. But according to the Word of God, the Scripture says this, it's going to wax worse and worse. It's not going to get better and better. It's going to wax worse and worse. So how am I going to stay positive in a negative world? I'm going to have to learn to encourage myself. I'm going to have to get off of some things that feed me negativity and get into some things that feed me positive words of affirmation and reminding myself of who I am. Did this word resonate with anybody? I'm going to tell you, if you didn't hear Brother AJ's message Wednesday night, you missed one of the greatest messages he talked about being a polished on purpose or dulled by delay. And I just made up in my mind, I'm going to be polished for His purpose. And through the help and the grace of God, come what may, I'm not going to allow the world to dull me. But I'm going to stay in my Word. I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to stay encouraging. And I'm going to encourage myself. If you're going to join me in that, would you lift up your hands again and let's cry out to the Lord right now. We're going to believe for this. We're going to believe for it, God. We're going to believe when we step into situations, Lord, that our attitude is going to turn situations. We're going to have a prosperity mindset. We're going to have a successful mindset. We're going to believe that God's going to do big things in the Quincy.
for bigger and better things. I'm believing for the greatest harvest that De Quincey's ever seen. Come on, somebody. How many believers we have in this room? You say, Pastor, how can you tell us on one hand that it's going to wax worse and worse, but then you tell us now that the church is going to have revival? Here's why. Because the greater the darkness, the more the light shines. And the more people get in trouble, the more they're going to look for a solution to bring them out. And guess what? We're not going to be here condemning and judging and condemning. We're going to be here lifting people up and giving them the good news and encouraging them. Jesus can change your life. Jesus can take you from where you are, put his red blood on you, and wash your heart whiter than snow. Come on, somebody. That's what we're going to tell them because that's the truth. We're going to be positive because that's what God wants. Just think about this and I'll let you go. David wouldn't have done anybody any good if he would have just stayed right there and said, well, you guys just stoned me. I messed up. There would have never been a restoration if that would have been his attitude. But he got up. He got up. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And God said, you surely shall recover all. But I want to encourage you. He didn't just get back what he lost. He got everything that was in that camp. Hallelujah. I just want to encourage you this morning. Get up. Encourage yourself. Don't stay in that depressive state. Start feeding good stuff to your mind. People are in need of you to be a positive influence on their life. Somebody needs you to speak something encouraging into them. Get up and show them the way. And show, hey, you know what? Bad things happen to good people, but the story ain't over yet. The last chapter hadn't been written yet. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. Turn around and give somebody a high five. Have a great day. God bless you. We are believing for you. We're believing. We're believers. God bless you. We love you. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for being in God's house today.